You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Before we get started today, college football right around the corner, and yesterday, preseason coaches poll was released. If you want all of your college football news, the Locked On Network has you covered. There's no better place to get all of your conference news than following our Locked On Conference podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, August 11th, and we are now 90 days away from Gonzaga kicking off the 2021-22 college basketball season. And the number 90 has a very interesting significance in Gonzaga's history. The number 90 is the number of points Gonzaga scored against St. Mary's in Mark Few's first game as head coach against the Gales. It was January 20th, the year was 2000, and Gonzaga beat St. Mary's 90-60. to Four different Zags finished in double figures, led by Casey Calvary's 20 points. Matt Santangelo had 15, Richie Fromm had 14. And Mark Spink added 10 points of his own. Mark Few started his head coaching career with 14 straight wins over the Gales, and it all started with a 90-point outburst way back in the year 2000. Tomorrow, we'll be into the 80s, less than 90 days remaining. Find out what the number 89 means when we start tomorrow's episode. Okay, coming up today on the show, we're going to look back at the 2007 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Adam Morrison is off to the NBA, J.P. Batista is gone, but Derek Rivio has a senior season that should not be forgotten, one of the most underrated senior seasons in Gonzaga history. And then we'll finish the show with our Path to Playing Time series, back on the women's side, with some words on Kay Lee Trong, Gonzaga's starting point guard. And like we always do, we are going to start today with the news and notes, and we're going to start with Summer League action. Because Corey Kispert finally took the floor in a Washington Wizards uniform yesterday. He was supposed to play on Sunday, but they that game got canceled because of COVID issues. They are finally able to take the floor on Tuesday night. Wizards took on the Sacramento Kings in Jonathan Williams' team. Corey Kispert started and played 26 minutes for the Wizards. And just like Jalen Suggs, he hit his first shot and he hit his first three. They did a lot of uh, pin-down action for him. They did a lot of DHO action for him. And Kispert was able to go two for five from beyond the arc. He was just three for nine from the field, uh, ended up scoring eight points. He played much better in the first quarter than he did the rest of the game, uh, added a couple rebounds and an assist. So overall, not a bad showing for Corey Kispert. Uh, you could see his shooting ability. You could see that they were actively looking for him coming off the of screens. And we'll see if he can get a little bit more efficient as the summer league goes on, especially inside the arc. Jonathan Williams for the Kings uh, played four minutes at the end of the game. He went 0 for 2 from the field, grabbed a few rebounds. Zach Norvell, again, did not play for the San Antonio Spurs. They played, I believe, five games now. He has not played in four of them, which is obviously not a very good sign for Zach Norvell. So today, uh, we've got some more Summer League action, of course. Memphis Grizzlies playing at 2 o'clock Pacific time. It'll be Killian Tilly. The Orlando Magic back at it. Jalen Suggs playing on ESPN2. It'll be Jalen Suggs going up against Evan Mobley's team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game's going to be on ESPN2 uh, up at 3 o'clock. Ryan Woolridge uh, and the Thunder play at 4 o'clock. And then Joel Yai is the nightcap, 7 o'clock for the Lakers-Knicks. That game is also on ESPN2. A little update for you guys from the U19 FIBA World Cup on the women's side. 
Yvonne Ejim had her third game yesterday, and uh, Canada ended up losing, and they got beat up pretty good by Molly, which was a little bit of a surprise. They lost 88-62. to Molly goes 14 for 37 from beyond the arc. They had 14 threes, and Canada turns the ball over 24 times. Not a good recipe. Yvonne Ejim scored 15 points, added six rebounds, and a couple of assists. So after three games, Yvonne Ejim averaging 31 minutes, 18.7 points, 8.3 rebounds. Canada, unfortunately, finished 1-2 and two and actually finished in last place off of tiebreakers uh, in their group. So they are going to have to face the first place ranked France team from Group C uh, at the start of bracket play coming up this morning. By the time you're listening to this, the game is probably already over. They're supposed to play, I believe, at 5 a.m. That France team that Canada takes on this morning has already won games by 30 and by 45. So it may be an uphill battle for Canada. But they do play in the FIBA U19 World Cup. How it works is they play four games no matter what. There's a winner's bracket and there's a loser's bracket. Um, so regardless, all of these players and all these teams will play four games uh, in some sort of bracket. So we'll have four more games to talk about with Yvonne Ejim. And the last thing I want to talk about here is that the field for the PK-85 is tentatively set. The 16-team field is going to be very similar to what happened uh, back in 2017. It's going to be two eight-team tournaments held in the Portland area at the Moda Center at the Memorial Coliseum in November of 2022. If you remember back in 2017, Gonzaga was part of this event, um, and they played Ohio State, they played Florida, and they played Texas. And so... The way that this works is you're not going to be able to have um, multiple teams from the same conference in the same bracket. So they'll split up Duke and North Carolina, who are both in the field. They'll split up West Virginia and Iowa State. They'll split up Purdue and Michigan State. They'll split up Alabama and Florida. They'll split up Oregon and Oregon State. And then the weird thing is that they've got three Big East teams. So I'm not sure, A, why but B, how they're going to uh, manage that situation. But it's Villanova, it's UConn, and it's Xavier. And then the last two teams are Portland and Portland State. So regardless, however all these teams split up, Gonzaga is going to get you know probably three pretty darn good games, just like they did a couple years ago. Again, that is going to take place in November of 2022. It's the PK85. It's the 85th birthday of Nike co-founder and chairman Phil Knight. Okay, coming up, we reminisce on the 2007 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Adam Morrison and J.P. Batista have moved on, but Derek Rivio is now a senior and ready to take over the squad for himself. And he's joined by a breakout sophomore named Jeremy Pargo and another sophomore named Josh Heitfeld, who I would say had quite the eventful six months. Before we get to that, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can bet on the Summer League for the NBA if you'd like. And football season's right around the corner. So it's a perfect time to get in on the fun. You can track all the action. Bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game Teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. The 2007 Gonzaga Bulldogs had one of the most up and down years uh, of any team that Mark Few has coached over the last 22 seasons now. 
they entered the season obviously with lower expectations because Adam Morrison's gone, JP Batista's gone, Earl Knight's gone. That's three key rotation players over the last couple of seasons. So they enter the season unranked, and then they go 4-0 with a win over Baylor, and then they go to Madison Square Garden, and they face number two North Carolina with Tyler Hansborough, an All-American preseason selection, and a young Brandon Wright who ends up playing in the NBA. And Gonzaga wins the game, and really they dominated it for the first 30 minutes or so before North Carolina made a run at the end of it. Gonzaga was up 15, I think, or with about 10 minutes to go or so. And Josh Heitfeld, sophomore year, Josh Heitfeld dominated Tyler Hansborough and dominated Brandon Wright. Tyler Hansborough in the game was held to just nine points on two of five shooting. Josh Heitfeld, on the other hand, had 19 points and eight rebounds. Jeremy Pargo had 16, and Derek Rivio had 21. If you rewatch this game, again, another game that's on YouTube, I've recommended several, and this one is also on YouTube for you guys to go back and watch. Derek Rivio was so good. He really was, and I'm going to mention this again as we go through this conversation here, but Derek Rivio's season was really unbelievable. He's the reason Gonzaga even stayed afloat throughout this entire chaotic season. Gonzaga ends up going 23-11 and overall in this season. It's the first time they lose double-digit games in Mark Few's career. And it's the most losses he's taken in any season in his entire career. And honestly, it might be the most losses he'll ever take in his entire career. I can't imagine any Gonzaga team between now and the time he retires losing 11 games. 23-11 and is what this team went. And I don't know if that really tells the whole story. Because they started the year 5-0, and like I said, with a win over number 2 North Carolina. Which at the time was the best win in program history. And then two nights later, they lose in the championship game of that uh, tournament to Butler, 79-71. They come back home. They win twice. They go on the road to beat Texas at a neutral site game. And then they lose at Washington State, a Washington State team who ends up getting a number three seed overall. Really good Washington State team that year uh, with a young Tony Bennett. And then four days later, they welcome uh, a Washington team that was ranked number 15 at the time, and they beat them by 20. And I believe this is like the third or fourth time already that Mark Few and his teams have beaten UW by 20 plus points. And then after that, they lose four straight games. So they're nine and two. They're back into the top uh, 16 nationally into the polls. And then they drop four games in a row. They lose at Georgia. They lose at Madison Square Garden to Duke 61 to 54. They lose at Key Arena to Nevada. And then they get absolutely hammered at Virginia, 108 to 87. So they lose four straight, and now all of a sudden they're nine and six heading into the WCC. They start the WCC six and one with their only loss, a two possession game at St. Mary's. And then they have their mid conference game at Stanford, which they did, uh, I think, three or four seasons in a row. I want to say this is the last time they did it. They go to Stanford, and at the time, Stanford was ranked in the top 25, and they beat Stanford in double overtime on the road. Jeremy Pargo had 23 points. Josh Heitfeld had 12 and 12. Derek Rivio had 21. David Pendergraf with 14 points off the bench. A well-rounded effort from the Gonzaga Bulldogs to beat and upset a top 25 Stanford team that would go on to make the NCAA tournament. A week after that Stanford game is when Josh Heitfeld and Theo Davis get arrested. And obviously there's uh, something else to talk about in terms of that story. But from a basketball perspective... It completely changed how Gonzaga structured their offense because they really only had two 
good and reliable big men on this team. It was Josh Heidfeld, and it was a senior year Sean Mallon. They used uh, Abdullah Kuso, but he was their third big. So when they put him into the starting lineup, they didn't have a fourth big. So this was really the first year where they had to basically go four perimeter players around Sean Mallon. is essentially playing small ball for the first time uh, under Mark Few. And they were trying to figure it all out. And once they lost Josh Heitfeld, they lost three out of four. They lost at LMU. They come home and they beat St. Mary's, but they only score 60 points. And then the home winning streak ends. Santa Clara comes in and beats Gonzaga. It's their first home loss in 50 games. And it's their first home loss at the McCarthy Athletic Center. They had gone 39-0 and in the three-plus years of the McCarthy Athletic Center until Santa Clara comes in and beats them 84-73. to And then the next weekend, Memphis comes in and beats them in overtime. That Memphis team with John Calipari, who's one year away from making the national championship, uh, they end up losing in the Elite Eight this season. They're ranked number eight at the time. Gonzaga hung with them. They lost 78-77 to in overtime, but still back-to-back losses inside the McCarthy Athletic Center, ending their home winning streak. Gonzaga goes on to win their final three games of the year, but they needed to win the WCC tournament in order to make the NCAA tournament this year. Their first round game was against San Diego, who finished fifth in the WCC, and they actually dispatched to them pretty easily. But then that championship game was against that same Santa Clara team who had beaten them at home to end that winning streak. And Derek Rivio said there is no way that's going to happen twice in the same season. Gonzaga beats Santa Clara in that WCC championship 77 to 68. And Derek Rivio has an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal game. 28 points on uh, 8 of 12 shooting. He was 10 for 10 from the free throw line, obviously. He had uh, two rebounds, four assists, three steals, and just two turnovers. He's absolutely fantastic. A freshman year, Matt Bolden got entered into the starting lineup late into the year after. Josh Heitfeld got arrested. He had 14 points. And then David Pendergraf and a young Micah Downs also added double figures. Micah Downs actually had a double-double in that game, 12 points and 10 rebounds. So Gonzaga makes the NCAA tournament. This is one of, I don't know, I'd probably say three years, maybe four years, where the NCAA tournament streak was legitimately uh, in jeopardy if they didn't win the WCC tournament. And they got it done. And they continued to get it done. They did it again in 2010, 2011. They did it again in 2016. But this year was just so rocky with the the twists and the turns. So many wins at the start of the season. So many losses in the middle. They lose Josh Heidfeld. They try to reconfigure their entire team. And they still make the NCAA tournament. Of course, they get a number 10 seed. And they end up losing in the first round to Indiana. They end up shooting just 34% from the field. Derek Rivio and Jeremy Pargo were held to 5 of 17 shooting uh, by Indiana. So Gonzaga loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament and ends the season 23-11, and 11, like I said. Derek Rivio, his senior year, WCC Player of the Year in 2007. There are only nine players of the Mark Few era to average at least 18 points a game throughout a season. And Derek Rivio is one of those nine. He averaged 18 points his senior season to go along with three rebounds, two and a half assists, and one and a half steals. Out of those nine players, he has the most steals by a lot. Uh, so he got it done on both ends of the court. He shot 41% from deep. Of course, he shot 96% from the free throw line, which is the best mark in Gonzaga history and one of the best marks in NCAA history. Out of those nine players, he was also second in assists behind Dan Dickow. So a 
phenomenal senior season for Derek Rivio. And really the reason Gonzaga made uh, this NCAA tournament was because of his contributions after Josh Heitfeld went out. Jeremy Pargo had a huge second half of that season uh, and obviously became the go-to guard after Derek Rivio leaves in the uh, 2008 and 2009 seasons. Matt Bolden, as a freshman, averaged nine points, three and a half rebounds, and three assists. And we're going to talk about him a lot over the next couple days because as I went back and watched a lot of the old Gonzaga games, I fell in love again with Matt Bolden because I thought he was just an absolutely fantastic player. But we'll talk more about him uh, in the coming days here. But as a freshman, like I said, nine points, three and a half rebounds. Senior year, Sean Mallon, eight points, four and a half rebounds. Sophomore year, Josh Heitfeld, before he got arrested, 15 and a half points, seven and a half rebounds. I don't know where Gonzaga would have landed uh, if, you know, what had happened didn't happen. Um, I can't imagine this team goes much further than the second round, even with Josh Heitfeld, but there's certainly a much, much better team with him. And kind of without him, it, it exposed their lack of interior play. And when we were doing our What If series uh, a few weeks back, a lot of people ask me, um, to do a what if just on Josh Heitfeld's entire career. And I think that was fair. And it may be something that I end up doing in the future. But one of the things, um, there's a lot of them. What if he doesn't hurt his ankle? What if he doesn't get arrested? There's a lot of what ifs uh, in terms of Josh Heitfeld. But what if he doesn't get arrested in the end of that 2007 season? Like I said, I, I don't think Gonzaga goes much further than uh, the second round. They may end up winning a second round game, but still, they probably would have been. You know, they got a 10 seed this year. If he stays, then maybe they win a couple extra games. They don't lose uh, at home to Santa Clara. You know, maybe they get an 8 or a 9 seed, which means they're playing a number one seed in the second round. Probably hard to upset them, but they did do it to North Carolina early on in the season, so you never know. And the last play I want to talk about is Micah Downs. He comes in halfway through the season because he transferred midseason from Kansas. Top 50 recruit, Washington kid, and this is one of the other reasons why Gonzaga's roster was kind of all over the place because he was coming in um, midway through the season when they were just starting to get at least somewhat of a rotation settled. Micah Downs is too talented not to have in the rotation. So they put him into the rotation, which loses minutes for uh, David Pendergraf a little bit. And then eventually Josh Heitfeld gets arrested. So they're redoing the rotation again. There was essentially no point during this season where they weren't tinkering with who was playing and how many minutes they were getting. Um, and so it was just it was just chaos all season long, both on and off the court. So the fact that Gonzaga won the WCC championship, got into the NCAA tournament, was attested to, to Mark Few, to his coaching staff, and most especially above anybody else, I think it's a testament to Derek Rivio in his senior season and his leadership. Okay, that's enough for today's look back. Coming up, we're talking about Kaylee Trong's path to playing time. She is the starting point guard for the Gonzaga women, and she's entering her junior year. It's a key season in her development and will explain what she needs to do to solidify her spot on the team. Before we do that, today's episode is being sponsored, of course, by Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. They just sent out a message last night. Now, this is the last call for anybody who wants Rocky Road flavored Built Bar. So get on that. If that's something you want, go for it. If it's not and you want to try something else, feel free to get a mix box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. 
Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. It's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at Built.com. All right, I got a story here. I think Kaylee Trong is a really, really interesting player. And coming into last season, someone asked me who the best player on the Gonzaga women's roster was. And I said, right now, it's either Jen Worth or Jill Townsend. Ask me again in two years, it's probably going to be Kaylee Trong. Because I was super, super high on her coming into last year because I really enjoyed her game as a freshman. But then last year, she kind of had an up and down season. And the good news, I think, is that the second half of her season was much better than the first half of her season. Hopefully, she can bring that momentum into this year. In her first 13 games last year, she averaged 6.4 points and 3.6 assists. In the final 14 games, she averaged 9.1 points and 4.5 assists. So her path to playing time this season is to put it all together consistently. Let's talk about what Tron got better at last season. She became a better driver, and she was a little bit more efficient around the rim. And obviously, that's huge for a point guard. She rose her assist total by a a full assist and a half per game, and she kept her turnovers at the exact same rate, which is pretty good considering she played uh, about three or four minutes more than she did as a freshman. She was much, much more confident in looking for her own offense towards the end of the season. All of those are great signs leading into this year. However, she got worse at the three-point line. She was a 37% shooter as a freshman while playing alongside Jesse Luetta and had a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities, and then turned into a 34% shooter as a sophomore while being the full-time lead guard. She got better at the rim, but she got worse from deep. If she can kind of regain that form from distance and become a better shooter off the bounce, that would be huge. The biggest overall issue is that when I say that she improved as a driver... She still shot under 40% from the field last year. She went from a 36% shooter to a 39% overall shooter. So yes, there were some noticeable improvements to her game, but of course there's still plenty of room to grow. If you want a reference, Jesse Luetta two years ago shot 44%. Laura Stockton spent most of her career shooting 41 or 42%. Emma Stosh, she was at 44% when she was playing point guard. So it would be ideal uh, for Kaylee Trong to kind of get to that same 42-44 to spot uh, from the field as a point guard. She is this team's leading returning score at 7.8 points a night. I don't think she necessarily has to get to double figures next year because I think they've got a couple other players that are better suited for that. But she does have to be more efficient and she does have to find that three-point stroke again. If she does put it all together in her junior season... Gonzaga will still be a force atop the WCC. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow to recap some more Summer League action, along with Yvonne Egem's FIBA U19 World Cup game. Then we're going to look back on the 2008 Gonzaga Bulldogs, and of course, we are going to continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Andrew Nemhard from one starting point guard to the other. What does Andrew Nemhard have to do to make Gonzaga a better team this season? We'll discuss that tomorrow on the show. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. 
Follow the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with your Gonzaga story, any questions, any ideas you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.